service. So what Ty and Rachel are doing this morning and what um, Marcella and uh, Jessica are doing this morning in the nursery, they're serving our body. We're going to be focusing on serving this morning. So uh, this morning, um, if, you, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to the book of 1 Peter. You can turn to the book of 1 Peter if you, if you have a Bible and like to turn there. But to just catch up and bring us up to speed on where we are in our sermon series, remember we are talking about uh, membership. Membership matters. Um, membership is an important thing. And what, are, what goes along with that when we think of membership? We've talked about so far, the first sermon we talked about, what is the church? We talked about how the church is God's people. It's a gathering. It, it, it implies that there are members of it, right? Uh, the church is God's people from all time and all places from everywhere. Um, from Abraham to the little boy that was just born or the, little, the person that just put their faith in Jesus. All God's people, all believers from all time, the universal church. But we practice um, we put local church into we practice local church membership because the local church places like the First Baptist Church of Commerce are a visible, tangible expression of that universal church. Um, so our church here at Commerce First Baptist is a is an outpost of that kingdom. Right. In one sense, you could say it's like an embassy of God's kingdom here on earth. We talked about who can be a church member, right? And when we think of the local church, we can never know for sure if we've got only believers in our midst. But we talked about who's supposed to be a church member. It's somebody who's born again, who's put their faith in Jesus, and someone who's baptized, who's made that faith public through the way the Bible tells us to make it public, which is through baptism. And anybody that's done that can be a member of a church. Then... We've started to talk about what are the expectations of a church member. If you are a member of a church, what's expected of you? Um, what is it that uh, the church, the people of the church are expecting from you as a member? Last week we said the first requirement, the simplest requirement is this. If the church is a gathering, then you're required to gather regularly. Gather regularly. You should be seeking out, finding ways to put yourself in the gathering of God's people as regularly as possible, as regularly as possible. That doesn't mean that if you're if you miss one time, uh, we keep record of that. And if you get three tardies or three absences, you're out. Right. Um, that's not what we're saying. But as long as you're physically able, you should seek to be here among God's people, gathering with his people. That looks like Sunday morning gatherings, especially that's our main gathering. It looks like Sunday morning gatherings. We want to say especially our Lord's Supper services. That's when we come and partake of that family meal. And then we also want to see you at family business meetings, right? The, uh, that's what it looks like to uh, attend regularly. Today we're going to transition into what it means to serve willingly. So the first expectation is gather regularly. The second expectation is this, serve willingly, serve willingly. The word service, we often uh, conflate that with the word minister. And the word minister is an old, old, old word. Uh, it comes from minister. The first part, you take the ter off there and it's minus or minus. Okay, it's a Latin word for less. A minister, which is what we all are, we're ministers of the Lord. We are people who think of ourselves less. That's what it means to minister to somebody, to be less, to be a servant, to put somebody else's needs and desires above your own. Remember that verse I just read a few minutes ago speaks of what service looks like. It said this about, um, it was this command that he gave to us. Do all things with, uh, let me make sure I'm looking at the right spot here. 
Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. That is at the core what service is. It's thinking of someone else's needs before your own. It's counting somebody else as more significant and more important than you. Now, if that sounds like an extremely difficult thing, it is. That is one of the hardest things for human beings to do, is to think of themselves less and to think of somebody else more. That is extremely hard for us to do because it's in that sin nature that we've inherited from our parents, that we inherited from our first parents, Adam and Eve. What they did is they thought of themselves more than thinking of the Lord. And that's been passed down to us from generation to generation. We tend to think of ourselves, what's going to benefit us, what's going to hurt us more than we think of other people. And so that issue is going to make serving extremely difficult for us. Even within the body of Christ, serving others is difficult. Serving others is really hard for us to do. It's really hard for us to set down our preferences and appreciate other people's preferences. It's hard to put down our interests and think of the interests of others. But God's word calls us to it, and I believe that God's spirit enables us to do it. So if you're in 1 Peter, we're going to see what 1 Peter, or what Peter has to say to us in this letter. We're going to be in chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 7 through 10, focusing on verses 11, uh, 10 and 11. Now, Peter's speaking to the people of God, and he's talking to them about the end times. The, the, he says the end is at hand. Now, I want you to think. Peter's going to tell you what, how you should act in the end of all things. First, get in your mind. What do people do when they think the world is ending? Think about that. Maybe they quit their job, stand on the street corner with a sign. They go buy all the bread and milk and eggs from Walmart. Like That's how people act at the end times, right? But how does Peter say we should act? Let's read. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says this. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, freak out and be crazy. Be hysterical. No, that's not what it says. Look what it says. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied gifts or grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So Peter says in this, the end of all things is at hand. What should you do? Well, chill out, be self-controlled, and love people. That's what Peter says to do in the end times. It's not go crazy, quit your job, yada, yada, yada. It is stay calm and love. Stay calm and love on. Stay calm and love. And within that love, we see that expressed in forgiving one another, We see that expressed in hosting one another, being hospitable to one another. And then specifically in what we're going to focus on is serving one another. 
serving one another. We are called to serve. Right now is the end times. Right now is the end of days. If the end was at hand for Peter, it's definitely at hand for us. So how should we act? We should serve. And when it's hard, we can go to this verse and see some encouragement from this. Okay, we're going to see some encouragement from this. When it's hard to serve, number one, realize this. You have the ability. You have the ability to serve. When it's hard to serve, think about this. You have the ability. This verse says that each person has received a gift. Each person has received a gift. You see that in verse 10. As each has received a gift. God gives gifts to his children, spiritual gifts, that they might use them to build up the body of Christ. God's given each of us that. Um, When we put our faith in Christ, he molds and shapes us into his image, and we have a gift that we can use to serve. You have been given a gift. God's fingerprint is left on you as he's molding and shaping you, and he's given you a gift to each person. No one can say, I don't have a gift. Maybe you don't know what your gift is at this moment, but you do have a gift that God has given. Each person has received a gift, and each gift is different. Each gift is different. In our verse, it says, if someone serves by speaking, let it be known that they're speaking the oracles of God. If someone is um, just serving, like kind of doing um, service tasks, let us know that they're serving by the strength of God. These gifts are different. Think about the list that we find in the Bible of the gifts of the Spirit. We find them in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Romans has this list. You don't have to write these down, but Romans has this. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. Okay? 1 Corinthians list says this. Speaking wisdom, speaking knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and administration. So we see these two big lists in the Bible, and those lists don't match up. So you know what that tells us? It means that these are not exhaustive lists. There's lots of other gifts that God gives that you can use that maybe aren't even mentioned in this. And so what that means is when we get a gift, when we become a believer, we're given one of these gifts, if not one of these gifts, another gift. And we're given these gifts so that we might build up the body of Christ. Now, some of these gifts, as you can read through there, are... On the surface, maybe you'd say are more spiritual than one of the others, right? If you looked at this gift, at these gifts, and you said, "Man, the one who's who's teaching or prophesying, that's like the spiritual one." But there's also administration in there. How many of you ever thought of spiritual gift uh, of administration? That's not exactly what you would call a what we would call a spiritual gift, but the Bible calls it a spiritual gift. If someone has the gift of administration, that is a spiritual gift. Some might seem more spiritual than others, but they are all spiritual gifts. Some might seem more important than others. Some get more attention, meaning they're up front and people see them. Some of these gifts are in the back and no one sees you do them. Some gifts are behind the scenes. But all these gifts are different and they all have their different purposes within the church. They all have their different purposes within the church. So how is it that you can know your spiritual gift. There's a list of them here. And like I've said already, this lit, these two lists don't even include all of the spiritual gifts that someone might possess. So how is it that we know what our spiritual gifts are? Well, here's a few quick tips um, on how you might start to discern what your spiritual gift might be and how you might use that to serve. Number one is pray about it. Ask God, God, show me how, what my spiritual gift is. 
Show me what my spiritual gift is. Number one, pray. Number two, you can study the subject. Study the subject. Those passages that I mentioned earlier, it's Romans 12, 6 through 8. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. We didn't mention this one, but Ephesians 4, verse 11 also speaks of a spiritual gift. And then 1 Peter 4, like we talked about today, 7 through 10 speaks of that. Study the subject. Go in and dig. Start to define what those are. For the sake of our sermon today, we're not going to go through and define each one of those. But go through, study, and see what those, each of those individual gifts are and see if that might be something that the Lord is leading you to. So one, pray. Two, study. Three, observe others. When you're at the church, remember we said, don't waste these gatherings. When we gather together as God's people, don't waste these. Observe what other people do. Observe other people's spiritual gifts. Do you see somebody teaching and you're like, man, I, I, can, I see their flow, flow of thought. I can see how they arrange that. I might have said it a little bit differently. Maybe God is giving you the gift of teaching. Maybe um, you're observing somebody and you see, man, they, they are just able to encourage people with their words, just standing in the hallway and speaking a, 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 an encouragement to somebody. Well, maybe that's something that you can, you can use. So observe other people and see how they use their spiritual gifts. Okay, number four, consider the body. How, what is it that you might be able to do to build up the body of Christ? Now, people are gifted in all kinds of different ways, right? I stayed up till 1 o'clock last night watching football players who are extremely gifted physically. Okay, they're extremely gifted physically. But just being able to run fast, jump high, that's a gift that might not be a spiritual gift. It's a gifting, but it's probably not a spiritual gift. Unless you can find some special way to use that gift to build up the body, right? So spiritual gifts are giftings that we have that are used to build up the body of Christ. So what is it that you might be able to do to build up the body? If you feel like you are apt to do something specific to build up the body, that might be your spiritual gift. How can you build up the body? Number five, consult others. See what they think your spiritual gift might be. You might ask your spouse, say, hey, what, what's something that you see me doing well? Um, what, what's something spiritual that you see me doing well? When I teach, do people understand it? Do you get much out of it? When I speak, are people encouraged? Um, ask somebody in your life to say, hey, um, what might be my spiritual gift? Or you might listen to what people say about, about the things that you do um, in the body. So if you are somebody who often hears back from people, Man, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me and, and sharing that. That really encouraged me. You might have the spiritual gift of exhortation, building people up. That might be your spiritual gift. If you often see yourself, um, people compliment you on maybe the, the, they see how giving you are or how hospitable you are. If they're complimenting you there, that might be your spiritual gift. And then finally, number next, I don't know what number this is, experiment. Try out some of these different options that there are. If you think, man, maybe my spiritual gift is uh, affirmation and, and exhortation, building people up with your words, try to do that more often. Maybe your spiritual gift is teaching. Maybe seek for opportunities to teach. It doesn't have to be from this platform, right? It can be in a classroom. It can be one-on-one -on -one with somebody in a small group, men's breakfast, whatever that might be, women's outings, whatever that might be, maybe seek for opportunities to teach. Seek for different ways to experiment with these, these gifts. 
And I'm certain that if you do those things, you go through the process of praying, studying, watching other people, thinking about how you might build up the body, hearing what other people say about your giftings and experimenting with those, you're gonna, something's gonna bubble to the surface. I'm sure of it. And if not, at least you're gonna start to see how other people are using their gifts and how you might benefit from them. So everybody has a spiritual gift. And when you think about yourself and you think, man, I'm low down, no good, yellow bellied, whatever. I cannot do anything helpful for the Lord. That is a lie. That is a lie from Satan. That's what Satan says to you to get you from using your spiritual gift that's extremely important for the body. Every one of your spiritual gifts are important for the growth of this body. And don't let Satan lie to you. You have the ability to serve. When it's hard to serve, remember, you have the ability. Second, you have the responsibility. You have the responsibility to serve. This verse goes on to say um, in verse 10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. A steward is a caretaker. It's somebody who's meant to take care of something. We think of that. We see that in the Bible. Remember when Jesus, there was a parable Jesus told, and there were three servants. A master gave them each a certain amount of money and said, hey, take care of this. And what those servants did with that, one of them um, buried it in the ground, didn't do anything with it. But the other two servants used that money and doubled it and gave it back to their, their master. And when the master came back, He said, these two servants have done well. They've taken what I've given them and they've used it to give back more to me. But this servant over here didn't use the gift I gave to him and he he wasted it. He didn't steward it properly. So when we're given a spiritual gift, we're called stewards of that gift. You've been given a tool. You've been given the keys to a specific vehicle. Um, You've been given the the protection of a certain prize. And you're supposed to use that for God's glory. And that, that gift that you've given is a gift in and of itself. It's something that you didn't earn. Therefore, it's not yours. It's been given to you as a gift. So when you realize what your gift is, don't squander your gift. Don't squander it. Just like that servant, he buried it in the ground and didn't use it. He squandered his gift. Your spiritual gift is like a muscle that has to be worked out. And if you don't work it out, it's not going to grow. It's not going to be used. Most spiritual gifts, a lot of people's spiritual gifts go unused. They sit in the, the garage on the counter. They collect dust and they don't get used. And if you're not going to use that spiritual gift, you're going to have a really hard time making an impact on the people in your life and and giving to the body of Christ. So don't squander your gift. Don't let it set. And then also under that, don't steal your gift. Here's what I mean by that. The Bible speaks of teachers in the Bible. It speaks of false teachers a lot. And what does it say about false teachers? It says that some of those false teachers use their position for selfish gain or greedy gain. Um, the old school version of that is the filthy lucre, right? It's this, this selfish gain um, using, their, using their gift for selfish gain. It's those preachers that will preach and, and use that to gain maybe social status, likely monetary um, value to, to get money, right? It's using a gift that God has given you 
only for yourself. Now, if a preacher can do that, so can you. You can use your spiritual gift selfishly, I think. I think you can use your spiritual gift selfishly. Might look something like this. If you have the gift of leadership, what is leadership? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very powerful tool. It's influence over people. That's what leadership is. Leadership is influencing people to do things. A lot of times people describe it as um, a good leader or somebody who gets somebody to do something that they never thought they could. But it's, it's influence over people. So somebody who's gifted with the spiritual gift of leadership might use that instead of glorifying God. They might use that to manipulate people to get what they want out of them. Right? If you have the, the gift to, man, uh, to influence people, you've got to be careful. You've got to push them toward Christ instead of pulling them toward you and using them. So if you have the gift of leadership, don't use it to manipulate people. If you have the gift of giving, meaning God has blessed you with either one, an abundance of money that you can give away or resources that you can use, or maybe you're just somebody who's very good with your money and the little money you have you're able to give out. If you have that gift... Don't use it to, to puff up your own name to say, look at the amount of money I gave, right? That's using that gift that God gave you for a selfish reason. Do you have the gift of wisdom and knowledge? Does God let you see into his word in a special way that maybe others don't? Well, don't use it to belittle people and make them feel dumb for not being as smart as you, right? If God has given you these gifts, he's given them to you to use to build up the body, not to tear it down. Think of a hammer. Uh, the, the, a, a carpenter's best tool is his hammer. And what does he do with it? We can nail in nails and line up uh, pieces of wood to fit where they go. Or he can pull nails and tear something down. Right? Your spiritual gift's like a hammer. You can use it both ways. You can use it to build up the body of Christ and to glorify God. Or you can use it to tear down the body of Christ. He's given you this gift. He's given you this tool and you're a steward of it, and you will be responsible for how you use it. So don't bury it and waste it, and don't use it to hurt other people. Use it to glorify God. When it's hard to serve, remember, you have the ability, and two, you have the responsibility to do that. And finally, number three, you have the privilege. You have the privilege to serve God. You have the privilege. This verse ends... Or at the end of verse 11, after speaking of, you know, those who speak, speak as, as if oracles from God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. God says your serving glorifies him. You bring a blessing to the God of the universe when you serve one another. Like that is a honor and a privilege that we shouldn't ignore and despise and think little of. We should make much of the fact that serving people, serving each other specifically in the body of Christ, glorifies God in a special way. We bring glory to him. We do, or we're privileged to do this. One, because serving imitates Jesus. Serving imitates Jesus. Remember that picture we described of Jesus? How he... Though he was in the form of God, though he was God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped or used to his advantage. If anybody ever in existence was able to say, I deserve you to serve me and I don't have to serve you, it's God. 
But what did he do? He took on the form of a man, became like us, laid down or shielded, uh, veiled his divinity that he might be like us and become obedient even to death. This is the God that wrapped a towel around his waist, bent down and washed the dirty feet of the disciples. God is a serving God. Jesus was a servant. He didn't come to serve or to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. So when we serve other people, you're being like Jesus. What's our vision statement around here? Becoming more like Jesus together, right? Our whole focus, that's what we're doing as a body of Christ is becoming more like Jesus. If you want to be like Jesus, you serve somebody. If you want to be like Jesus, you think of somebody else more than yourself. If you want to be like Jesus, Consider others more significant than yourselves. Humble yourself. It's a privilege to do that. You look like Jesus and it glorifies God. Every time you serve, you display God's glory, the glory of the creator of the universe. Every time you hold the door open for somebody and welcome them with a smile on the welcome team, you're glorifying God. Every time you give a few dollars to an offering that's used to glorify, that, that's used to further God's kingdom, you glorify God. Every time you say, I'm going to take these few verses and I'm going to explain them to somebody and help them understand the Bible by teaching them, that glorifies God. Every time you drive a van around, pick up kids on a Sunday morning, that glorifies God. Every time you play the piano so that people can be on key, hopefully we're all in the same key, that glorifies God. Every time you uh, carry a little bucket, a little flat bucket through the aisles so that people can give out of the abundance God has given to them, you glorify God. Every way that you serve the Lord and serve his body, you bring glory to the creator of the universe. You bless his heart by doing that. It's a privilege, so don't waste it. Don't see it as something insignificant. Whether it's standing up on a Sunday morning and preaching a sermon or cleaning toilets, whatever it is, however great or minuscule it might seem, it glorifies God. And it's a privilege that you might do that. So what does that look like at FBC Commerce? What are some practical applications we can make for FBC Commerce? Well, I want you to think, as we close up, of two categories of serving. Informal serving and formal serving. Informal serving and formal serving. Informal means there's no set program. There's no specific way. There's no group that's assigned to this. It's you are looking around at the people that next to you in the pew and people that are um, in, your, in this circle. And you think, man, what's a way that I can serve them? As we close today, we're going to have a, a time of prayer. And I want you to pray. God, how can I find somebody to serve in an informal way? Again, that's a way that's not planned. It's not... Or it might be planned, but it's not part of a program. It's not been assigned to you. Hey, serve this way at this time in this manner. It's how can I look to other people around me and serve them? You know what that takes? It takes for a moment you saying, what kind of needs do they have? And can I set down one of my needs so I can meet their needs? So pray about how God would lead you to serve informally, kind of just randomly. Second, pray about how God might lead you to serve formally, formally. Consider how you might serve at our church. We've got several ministries that we do, student ministry, children's ministry, nursery, transportation team, welcomers, audiovisual, and there's even more potential opportunities there for people to serve in ways that are in a formal, established, assigned way. But how can you 
participate in one of those. And think about how each of those teams might enable the body of Christ to grow. We love to have babies in here. Um, and we love to have children in here. But sometimes it might be hard for a parent to focus with the baby. So the nursery is available for them. If you don't want to put your baby in there, that's great. That's fine. And if they cry, don't worry about it. But for your sake, if it feels more comfortable for you, we have a nursery. Some, some students, some adults can't drive to church for whatever reason that morning. And waking up a little early, driving the bus, allows other folks to come to church that might not be able to. The welcome team... Um, finding that time instead of like sitting down and being comfortable before service. Maybe you're standing up um, sometimes in the heat of the day so that somebody when they walk up to our church sees a bright smiling face and feels like we're actually glad they're here and that they're coming to visit us. That's an amazing thing. Each one of those ways serves other people and glorifies God. So as we pray, I want you to ask the Lord, give me guidance. How can I serve somebody informally this week? And how might God be leading me to serve formally? Let's pray.